The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. With fancy baseball season getting going here, yes, we're going to have baseball. Don't you worry, folks. You got to get ready for draft season, which remains rotoballer.com. Draft kit is coming out. Premium content, free content, all that good stuff. So you're going to want to become a member at Rotoballer, and it's pretty simple. You sign up, you use promo code Bubba to get you an extra discount over there at rotoballer.com. It'll get you a preseason draft kit. It'll get you in-season premium tools. It'll get you all the free stuff, but it also gets you the DFS stuff, the lineup optimizers, uh, all the premium articles for DFS, everything you need. Baseball's all one thing, season-long DFS all in one. Use promo code Bubba. Sign up at rotoballer.com and start getting ready to draft and play like a boss. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 441. Special guest joining me today, first timer on the show. She unfortunately once a week has to talk with this guy, Michael Simeone, which is a real shame, but she does a great job putting up with him. And um, she doesn't have to seek drink out of a cup all the time, which is great. Um, and she also writes at Fantrax HQ. So we're little partners over there, which is pretty darn awesome. You can find her on Twitter at LK. A U E R B A C H Lauren Auerbach. How are we doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I am very excited to be here on Benched with Bubba. Uh, I've been looking forward to it uh, and excited to talk baseball with a new person. So that's yes. always fun. Yeah. That's what I love about this show. And, um, you know, there's some shows they're like just partners in crime all the time, which mm-hmm. is great. But being able to get new voices, like you guys had Rob on, uh, yeah. which yeah. amazing human being and a great baseball player. Mm-hmm. So it's all great. But uh, it's fun to get to chat. So I'm glad. Uh, we were able to line something out and yeah. uh, and have some fun, and we'll throw some fantasy baseball in there too. All right, so that's always good. But before we get into that, I always let people have the floor. Mm-hmm. Let everybody know like what you're working on, kind of your background, what's going on with Miss Lauren Auerbach. 
Uh, really just, I'm, I'm trying not to be too depressed about baseball. We talked about this a little bit uh, yesterday and, you know, with this, this whole news coming out, it's just like, uh, baseball, you're bumming me out right now. But um, outside of that, you know, just kind of doing, um, like you said, doing uh, the SP streamer pod once a week, and then also doing content over at uh, fan tracks once a week. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of just what I've been doing uh, baseball wise. That's great. Like I told you before the show, I was very happy when um, you know we love Doug. We mm-hmm. love Doug Ishikawa. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, when Mike not? said when Mike said he was going to get a new uh, co-host, we were I was really curious on who mm-hmm. he was grabbing. And when he when he, uh, he grabbed you to join him on there, I was very excited because it was good to get a new voice out there in the industry. And you're very very good. So well, thank you, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to chatting this up, and it's going to be a pretty. I kind of catered it to what some of your recent articles mm-hmm. have been, but also mm-hmm. just kind of a fun deal because it usually uh, at March, we're almost close to March, we start changing from like the draft champions formats to more real drafts, mm-hmm. fab leagues. So I'm kind of uh, catering to that here a bit. And we're going to talk about late round targets for Roto Leagues. I took whip off the list. I don't know if you noticed it yet, just because oh, late round whip is just a that's uh, just like pulling teeth basically okay, yeah. mm-hmm. but uh, we'll go over the nine other roto categories and we'll have some fun with that and for those keeping track at home i'm we're using anything after the 280p range on nfbc online those are 12 team leagues but it gives a kind of a some names people will know at the same time guys you can take later on to uh, get things going so we'll start in the fun ones and we'll work mm-hmm. our way to the boring ones <laughs> and we'll start with uh, the home run department where there's plenty of options yep. that you can pick and choose from so who are uh, who's your first later round home run target? So one of my first later home round targets, and this is actually just just um, inside the 280p threshold. And it's at 205. That's Josh Donaldson. Uh, I'm a big Josh Donaldson fan. I think we all know the story with him. He you know he's got that injury history, um, but I think that. Uh, kind of once you get past this point, especially at that position, uh, there's very few kind of 30 plus Homer upside uh, guys. And I think that, yes, like I said, you know, we know that injury history, but, you know, he was able to play 135 games last season and he was able to crank out 26 homers at that. And so um, I like that. And I will say, I'm going to steal this from Michael Simeone, who is also a big uh, Josh Donaldson fan. And we were talking about him a couple of weeks ago and he had, he had pointed out that amongst third basemen, uh, Donaldson was top five in ISO, WRC plus, uh, barrel percentage, exit velo per flight ball, and max EV last season. So we know it's still in there with him. It's just that track record. And I think that at this ADP, um, I, I think that he's worth he's worth the risk. And I would say also that knowing you should, if you're taking him or if, if you're interested in kind of uh, snagging him, you should have your third baseman kind of, he shouldn't be your first third baseman that should be kind of secured and locked up by this point but um you know the h also may help him so he may get some some uh help there where he can kind of uh, squeeze out some extra plate appearances so i think that like i said we're just kind of at that 200 uh threshold there at the adp but i do i really do like josh josh donaldson for his um home run upside i guess there yeah i I like him a lot as well i've wrote about him a few months back and Mm -hmm. uh impressive how much his quality of kind of like his barrels and everything has improved yeah. over the last few years like he's getting better and you mentioned something there with a dh with nelson cruz fully gone like mm-hmm. that could definitely help him a ton so i'm with you on that one yeah. uh, I pref- like i said I, like you said i prefer not to have him as my starting third baseman 
But in some leagues, it just happens that way, and it's, it's not fun, the end of the yeah. it's not the end of the world at least. But I'm with you. I prefer a corner infield with mm-hmm. him. But um, yeah, definitely good call there. Uh, mine's kind of a longer shot, but I'm I'm hoping on him uh, the DH benefiting Rowdy Telez quite a bit. I absolutely love yeah. Rowdy Telez. Um, we saw 21 homers in 2019 from him in just 111 games. Like all the projection sites have him for the low 20s, but they only have him playing like 112, 115 mm-hmm. games. Which in reality, he should play like 130 plus yeah. if things click right. So now you're talking 25. Maybe he runs real hot and gets into the 30s because there's no questioning his his barrel rates, his hard hit rates, his EVs, everything you could think of for the power metrics that you're looking for. He jumps off the page. It's just always been playing time mm-hmm. with Rowdy Telez. And, you know, there's no Dan Vogelbach there anymore. There's no issues of getting in the way of Rowdy Telez. And he's in a great ballpark to hit in, he's on a pretty darn good lineup still. And he's going to get a lot of bad NL Central pitching to go face as well. So I love Rowdy Telez. He's still going at a rather nice uh, ADP. I should probably tell people at um, 301. 301. 301. So uh, like in a 12 team league, he's towards the end of your draft. 15, he's still sitting there pretty nice at around 20. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I like Rowdy Telez quite a bit as a later option corner infield type spots. I like that as well. I will say that was my uh, second uh, player for um, to target for home run. And I will add to that. I think that you, you brought up all excellent points and I will add to it um, that, you know, I think, yes, like what you said, I think the DH will help him. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about Rowdy is that, um, you know, you really started to see him change once he went from Toronto to Milwaukee last year. And you started to see these gains, um, kind of these power gains in uh, really start in 2020. And, um, you know, I never really like to put a lot of stock in 2020 uh, stats, uh, but those kind of power gains, they stuck throughout his, they stuck through last season, through the 2021 season. And, um, you know, and so that's always an encouraging sign to, to see. And, you know, like you referenced kind of, you know, his barrel rates and his hard hit rates, you know, his hard hit rate, it's something that he's improved for the, for every season since 2018. Um, I like him. I think that that, that universal DH really helps him secure some playing time. And I know that some people have said, you know, he may lose some at bats, um, because he, because of, uh, his handedness kind of splits, uh, he hits 234 against righties versus 276 against lefties, but I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know who else they would really play. And I don't know that he would, uh, necessarily lose a ton of at bats, but that, I think that is something to, to consider, but, um, I like him. And if you look at his steamer 600 projections, they have him, um, as a kind of a 30 homer bat. So that is a very, very kind of tasty option in the kind of 380 P's. Yeah, no, he's very, very intriguing. Since I stole him, did you want another one? Or are you good with just uh, Rowdy as your second one? I'm good with it's Rowdy as my second okay. one. Um, then I'll throw a second one out there real quick. And this is an even longer shot mm-hmm. because you're you're hoping on health. But if he is healthy in Great American Small Park, I pick 345. Mike Moustakis is a guy that I'm just – he's one of these guys I think when we see spring training, if we see him hitting, all of a sudden he's going to climb up the ADP board um, because he, he's coming at you – Right now, he's only third base eligible. Last mm-hmm. year, we had him second base and third base. This is a guy that for years before he was getting hurt, 35, 28, 38, like has a, a heck of a run mm-hmm. of power with Moose. Um, he's I, I would lock him into 20-plus if he gets his 130-plus games with the option to 30-plus. Uh, the DH will help him. Mm-hmm. It, it depends what they do with Suarez. He should be the starting third baseman, but they can move Moose to second, which he played before. There's lots of places he can go. 
like I said, but not to mention uh, the DH position also. So mm-hmm. he's another guy if you want to sit and wait. I think I think Moose is one that is very intriguing. It's just he, you got to hope he's healthy, and so that's why he's going so late now, but he's another guy that will skyrocket. Yeah, I think I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, I think that that Cincinnati uh, ballpark, you know, he really hasn't um, – kind of benefited from that yet because you know you had that shortened season and then he was out for a lot of last season and he was someone I, I love Moose he's someone that I had uh on uh a couple teams and he's one of these players that I like so much that I probably held him uh for too long you know but I, I you know it was one of those things where I think they kept saying okay well he may be back now he may back be maybe back now and uh he just never was but yeah I don't think that he's seen that he hasn't had the time to have that full potential at the great American ballpark, excuse me, the great American ballpark. And um, I think once he does, I think you can easily, you know, like you said, pencil him in for at least 20, 25 home runs. And depending on his health, um, you know, he could maybe see upper twenties, I think in the home run uh, category. Yep. I'm hundred percent with you. So I'm hoping he's healthy. He's a, he's a fun one to watch, but mm-hmm. uh We'll see again. No spring training. No, uh, no, 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 a little tough. Yep. It it makes things different, (laughs) but uh, let's go to the steals department. Everyone Mm -hmm. talks steals. Everyone says you got to get them early and there's not much late. And it's true. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just not a lie, but there's, there's little gyms here and there, or you can speculate and hope things change. So what's a stolen base target of yours? You know, one stolen base target of mine uh, that I really liked last year, and I think that he could, he could come through again this year, is uh, Rymel Tapia on the Rockies. Uh, he's going about pick 250, 253. Um, and, you know, last season he stole 20 bases in 533 plate appearances. Uh, I like him because he's, you know, he's batting leadoff, which is what you want to be seeing typically for uh, when you're looking for steals. Uh, and he doesn't come with a uh, bad batting average either. He has a career 280 batting average. So that's nice. You know, the one concern, though, is that it is the Rockies and you don't I assume that he will bat the you know majority um, of his bat to the leadoff spot. But like I said, it's the Rockies. You know, I don't know. I, that's what he did last season. But. Um, I don't know. I think that it's not like a capital C concern, but it's just something that I'm aware of with him, but I like him. He's not going to give you any, you know, kind of any power or anything. He'll chuck in uh, some uh, RBI, but what I really like is that you're getting, I think, double digit steals um, at a batting average that, that won't kill you. And in fact, it could hurt. It, it could help you. Yeah. I love Ryan Tapia. I had him in a few different leagues last year. And you the, you made the great point if it's the Rockies, like they'll mm-hmm. probably throw Connor Joe out there yep. from time to time and just the way it goes. But as long as Tapia is still out there when Connor Joe's mm-hmm. leading off, you'll be fine. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that's a great call. And he's going super late. I think people, a lot of the talk is on Connor Joe. So yep. it's kind of sliding Tapia down, who I still think uh, is the better of the two leadoff. Hitters. I think they have to, like, because he did such a good job last season in terms mm-hmm. of leading off. I don't know. I don't know why they wouldn't keep him there, but yeah. I know that that is the talk. Um, and I do like Hong Joe, and I think that he would be very interesting. I mean, I think when Tapia, um, I think, had a heel injury last season, mm-hmm. it was Connor Joe that was at the top, and he played really well. You know, awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see, the, you know, those as, as uh, you know, the one-two bats. That'd be kind of interesting, I think. That's, but, what, a no- that's what a normal team would do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right, so exactly. But we – 
right. do we take that? Do you have to throw that out the window with the Rockies, yeah. right? Yeah, one will bat seventh and one will bat lead off because that's what they do. And the Rockies are like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, And then they'll trade somebody else. Yeah. And they'll get Um, a veteran. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they do. Um, Like I made the joke with Toby this week. We're talking, someone asked a question on Eddie Rosario. I'm like, oh, the Rockies will probably sign up. They don't have enough outfielders. It'd be a great spot for him, but it would screw everything else up. Exactly. It's like perfect spot. Another prospect to clog, right? Like it's just, yep, let's close that pathway to opportunity. Uh, my first target for steals, it's one that's been growing on me this offseason because all the talk is about Tyler O'Neill in St. Louis. But I think Harrison Bader mm-hmm. is quite interesting as well. Like, you know, people are kind of not taking him early because he's going at pick 228 right now because, you know, roster resource has him batting ninth. And he batted mm-hmm. first in the lineup a lot last year. But a couple things, even if he still bats at the bottom of the lineup with the DH, no pitcher there, he'll be able to actually be more productive back there. He'll drive in runs better than most he'll um he'll steal some bags as well and there's always the chance say Edmund scuffles or something else happens Bader should be one of the prime targets to move towards the top of that lineup which would just elevate him to a whole new level um uh, you were on a, a, a very popular podcast over the weekend mm-hmm. and uh, Paul Sporer has opened my eyes he's one of the ones that kind of got me looking into him more and he mentioned the idea of him leading off and I started thinking okay mm-hmm. if you dig into his profile like he's not powerful like Tyler O'Neill there's a lot of similarities mm-hmm. in um, like the overall hit profile, like the approach of the plate uh, as Tyler O'Neill. Again, not the power. I don't want anybody to expect that, but you're still going to get double digit homers from Bader. You're going to get double digit steals. He's going to score runs. He's going to hit for an okay average and, mm-hmm. and he's going to play great defense, which will keep him in the lineup every day. Mm-hmm. So I think Harrison Bader is one of those that you can draft with like a, a good floor in mind with a potential ceiling which is something I like to get uh, later in draft. So he'd be my first one. Right. I think that's true. And I think that that's a, an interesting point in terms of um, leading off and, um, you know, kind of looking at his, his 2021 numbers here. I mean, he, he was able to up his batting average too, because he cut his uh, strikeouts down from 32% to 21.2%, which is good. Um, and yeah, I think that if you, if he were to be, you know, kind of lead off, that would be very interesting. Um and very productive uh, run production wise. Yeah, I like yeah, that. It's just pure, pure speculation, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, you know, if it doesn't work, you drop him. You go somewhere yeah, else. That's but, true. Uh, yeah. Just a thought. But it, uh, was it, where was he? Like a two, 220? 228. Oh, so he's not like super okay. late, but he's probably your fourth, fifth outfielder, depending yeah. on how you're drafting. So yeah. not, not the end of the world. Right. Um, who is your second option? So my second option was Nikki Lopez, who is also kind of going the same ballpark as uh, Tapia, which is kind of that 250 um, ADP. And, you know, he was someone that I think, you know, kind of came on strong last season and he finished with 22 um, stolen bases and 565 plate appearances that also came with a 300 batting average, which I think the knock on him or the kind of concern is that he won't they'll, you know, we'll have some regression there. And um, I think that 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 could be true, but he also has a really kind of solid plate approach. He has a 14.3% strikeout rate. And then he has, you know, above average um, plate discipline numbers, you know, uh, talking about a career uh, 91.1% zone contact rate and above average chase rate. So I think that the skills are there that even if he's, you know, not going to bat 300, I don't think that, you know, I kind of kind of envision kind of a 260, 270, and maybe he holds something higher than 270. But um, again, kind of like Tapia, it's kind of very similar where I think that you're you're going to get uh, some steals 
at a batting average that uh, isn't going to hurt you. He should be playing um, every day, you know, near the top of that lineup. Um, and so I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of in on Nicky Lopez, which I I I didn't realize that I was, but I am now. So I kind of uh, and I always like finding those things out when you dig a little bit deeper into players. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. That was my other one too. So this is mm-hmm. a good good one to uh, to agree on because. Like you, I was not in on Nicky Lopez mm-hmm. to start this year. It's just been one of those things. It's like, I think it might have been the Miles Straw, like back and forth all over Twitter. Where I'm like, Nicky Lopez is like 80% of Miles Straw potentially. <laughs> yep. Like, and yeah. you're getting them a lot later. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, and that's how I kind of like to draft is where can I find similar players at different values and everything. And the thing with Nicky Lopez, I think that I was most worried about early on was playing time, but. Mm-hmm. Even in a, a lack of news, they've already said with Mondesi, they want to DH him a lot. They want yep. to limit his playing time. Okay, that takes that out of the way. Yep. Um, what about Bobby Wood Jr.? That's the big concern. But uh, they've already said they can move Bobby to second or mm-hmm. they can move Nikki to second. Like they seem pretty like willing and wanting to put Nikki Lopez mm-hmm. out there, which we yeah. saw for 151 games last year. And it seems like they want to do that again. So mm-hmm. if that's the case, it's great. Um, there's some people, some prospect people that have followed Nikki quite a bit in the minors. And um, I can't remember who it was. They said one of their bold predictions this year is that he steals 40 bases. Like he's, oh, their Whit Mer- okay. he's their Whit Merrifield. Okay. And like, I don't know if I'm going out on that whim, mm-hmm. but um, that would be awesome. And yeah. that makes this pick even <laughs> That'd better. That would be bonus. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's like we know the Royals will run and they will run and run until run. they can't stop running. Yep. And if he is hitting second like he's projected to do, you have Whit in front of him. You have Salvi behind him. Um, they maybe they bring up Prado, like mm-hmm. Benintendi's not that as bad as people get like say. I love Benintendi. I'm a big yeah, like I've been sniping yeah. him everywhere. So yeah. it, this this Royals lineup is sneaky. It's sneaky, mm-hmm. interesting. It is, yeah. And um, at least for fantasy wise, maybe mm-hmm. not real life. <laughs> but um I, I like Nicky Lopez. He's he's growing on me the more things yeah. go. It's same and it's it's one of those those picks that you don't have to like force your hand, like I said, on a straw or someone else five, six, ten rounds earlier mm-hmm. if you just think, oh, I need steals so bad. Like, don't go going for Andres Jimenez if you don't like him. Like, just yeah. wait and get – at least Lopez will play and not kill you. Like, at least add average or something. So, uh, I'm, I'm with you on Nicky Lopez. Yeah, and I think, like, the th- point, like, with Jimenez, I mean, Jimenez could get sent back down to the mm-hmm. minors, you know I mean? And I think that that's one of the – the good things about Nicky Lopez is I do think that he probably is in there every day. So, you get that volume. Um, yeah. And at that price is is good, you know. Yeah, 100% with you. So he is definitely one that's growing on me, and that's uh, did not think I'd say that about a month and a half ago. So so here we are. Um, Batting average, the Mm -hmm. oh-so-fun batting average. And interestingly enough, since batting average has dropped across baseball, there's more people that kind of help out here for once. (laughs) True. So um, who's your first target? So – my first target is uh, Gene Segura. Um, he's one of the kind of the, the early targets. He has a 214 ADP. Um, and, you know, I have to say this is kind of a boring veteran alert, but I, you know, Bubba, I love these boring veteran guys. I love the guys because they always sneak, tend sneak to peak. be. Sneak yes. Speak for uh, my second Fantasy Pros article uh-huh. in March. Uh-huh. I get to write about the all boring team. So oh, I love trust the me, all it's, boring it's right team. My, okay. It's right in my wheelhouse. Okay. <laughs> like, I, can, I cannot wait for that then. Um, yeah. I love, I love the all boring team. Um, you know, these are guys that are just undervalued. Uh, you know, they contribute a little across the board versus kind of standing out in one category. And, um, I just, I just love these guys and I don't know why, but they're always undervalued. But, um, so yeah, so Gene Segura, um, I think I didn't actually didn't realize that he had a career 285 batting average. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that, um, he was a sneaky source of, of runs and like I said, kind of contributed across the board, but I didn't realize that the batting average was 285. And, 
you know, I wanted to point him out um, too, because I think that when you think of uh, batting uh, average guys that you can get like really late in the drafts, I think that typically you think of kind of like Luis Arias and, uh, you know, maybe a Michael Brantley. And I think that those guys are, are totally legit guys. Um, but it, I've, I don't know, maybe it was just me. I didn't realize that, that Suguro um, had such a strong um, batting average. So I wanted to point that out. And, you know, he's one of these guys, again, with the boring average guys is that he's durable, but you will get volume from him. And, uh, you know, he's projected for around 580 to 630 plate appearances. And I will take that every day with that um, plus batting average. Yeah, I'll just get this out of the way now because he was one of my runs guys. Yep, um, and wasn't saying he can also go for runs. Yep. Yes, and because you, you mentioned that when you said, I'm like, yeah, well, that's why I put him down there because mm-hmm. I put other guys. It's the beauty of it, but I love Gene Segura. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree with everything you said, and he's one of those guys that goes later in drafts that helps you in multiple categories. Mm-hmm. He can get you double-digit steals. He can get you 12, 13, 15 home runs. He's going to yeah. be in that good Phillies lineup. Like I'm, I'm with you 100%, yeah. and that bad number is a plus because like you said, career 285, you just look at 290, the shortened season 266, but 280, 304, yeah. 300, 319. Like that's crazy. I know. How good it surprised me. Oh. So, and he's durable, like yep. you said, for the most part, especially as he gets older. Still 131 games last year, 54 in the shortened season, but 144, 144, 125, mm-hmm. 153. Like he's playing games, um, lots of like with Gene Segura. So, yep. Yep. 100% on board with you on that one. Uh, you mentioned my first one because it is all boring, and I just could not. <laughs> I'd make sure one of us mentioned him because if we didn't, we'd have probably uh-huh. people rioting the show. Mm-hmm. But it is Michael Brantley. Yep. He is extremely boring, but I love Brantley, like, though. Like I love you, Brantley. Yeah, you get like a near 300 batting average. Like, mm-hmm. sure, you're going to be happy if he gets 10 home runs. He's not going to steal any bases, but he's going to hit close to 300. And in a perfect world, like, he only played 121 games last year. He's been banged up a little bit of late, but. Maybe he stays healthy this year. They still bat him like fifth in the lineup, sometimes third. And I know Correa's gone and everything. Springer's obviously gone, but still a good lineup. With the Altuve, lineup is still solid. Yeah, yeah. Bregman, Tucker, Jordan, like Guriel. Um, he's going to have options to drive people in or score runs. Mm-hmm. So I love Brantley. I like him a lot. Uh, uh, he's very, very boring. <laughs> very, very boring. <laughs> and um, uh, I don't. He might be so boring he might not even make my article. But. Um, <laughs> Because he's strict, he really is just like a one-trick pony for now. Mm-hmm. But there's the chance he could help more in runs and RBIs than he has in recent years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't too long ago in 2019, he had 88 runs scored and 90 RBIs. Like yeah. that, you'd be over the moon for that. Yeah. Oh, you take that every day, right? So um, he he's a guy that I'd still kind of go to battle with, and if you need batting average, definitely one to go there. Mm-hmm. Who's your second one? So Adam Frazier is my second one, and he's has a 345 ADP. So digging a little bit deeper. Um, you know, and he's coming off of a career year. Uh, he had a career uh, kind of batting average two two. Wait, what did he? No, he had. I'm sorry, he had a 305 batting average and a 368 uh, OBP. Um, and he posted a career best 10.8 uh, percent strikeout rate, which was fourth best in the league. And so, um, you know, he knows how to get on base. And his career batting average is 281. Um, and I think you can make the same kind of similar arguments with Frazier that you can about Segura. I think you can also throw him in. Uh, he's a strong run candidate. Uh, I think that I see, you know, I think you can get maybe 75 plus runs out of him. And I like that he, uh, you know, is eligible for second base and an outfield. And, um, you know, I don't know. I think one thing that I was impressed uh, last season with Frazier with his uh, 305 batting average um 
and that that strikeout rate that I was uh, that I had mentioned was that you know he had that like in Pittsburgh, and then when he was traded to to San Diego, he was um, you know he didn't kind of have one spot that he was hitting out of in the lineup, and they kind of just kind of you know moved him up and down the lineup, but he still was able to hold kind of that that strikeout rate and that that batting average. So I think that stuff sticks. I think that's good to see, and I think that he's gonna you know he's gonna be hitting um, you know probably at one or either lead off or probably out of the out of the two spot um in seattle and i think that's kind of an interesting uh lineup there i think it's improved and um so i don't know i like him i like him for the batting average like i said and i also like him for runs yeah i think he's an interesting one for sure um like you said san diego kind of yo-yoed him around Mm -hmm. a lot last year which i'm never a fan of if you're trying to get consistent production so the fact he was able to still yeah, he was an all-star before he got traded. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm with you, and he's gonna he should play every day for Seattle, hitting towards the top of the line. And, and you mentioned it's an interesting lineup because it really is. There's a lot of young talent, and there's question marks across the board. Yep. But we know how good they are, mm-hmm. and if they click, it could be one of those really sneaky good teams. Mm-hmm. If they don't click, it's just like, well, Frazier will still be productive, but just what's the surrounding stats to go with it? So I think that's a good one, and he's going so late because I think people are, yeah. I think people are remembering the San Diego days more than the total package with him, mm-hmm. and it's making him kind of slide down the board. So I think it's a, a very interesting. I know I'm kind of guilty of it because I don't think I have any share so far, mm-hmm. and um, that's a very very intriguing one. Yeah, for sure. And he can contribute some speed as well. So, you know, again, it's like one of those guys kind of across the board minus really kind of power and RBI. But um, yeah, at that at that at that price point, um, I think he's definitely worth consideration. All right. Mine's not like a monster 300 average guy. He only hit 271 last year. But let me remind people the Mm -hmm. uh, average in baseball is 245 Mm -hmm. and um, he had 297 in the shortened season of 2020. And he only had 16 homers last year, but he led baseball or was towards the top of baseball in doubles. So I believe he's mm-hmm. going to have more homers. So it's kind of a combo thing. I just love this guy, so I had to put him in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that is Heimer Condelario. The Candyman, right? Yes, Candyman. <laughs> I think he is super yeah. underappreciated, yep. I guess is the word. Um, he's going up on pick 280. And at a third base position, that's, as we all know, not the greatest. Mm-hmm. I think the Candyman uh, should be getting a lot more love. He's he's walked uh, if 9.7, rounded up 10% or more of the time all four years in the bigs, mm-hmm. which I think is great for young players. Play discipline, his strikeout rate dropped 21.6 last year, best of his career. And uh, he continues to hit for, for power. And like I said, it's I remember years ago with Machado, they kept saying he's doubles, doubles, doubles. But eventually those doubles turn into home runs. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, he had 42 doubles last year. Oh, like wow. that is crazy. That. I know Detroit does that to hitters a lot. Yep. That's part of the ballpark. Yep. But even if he like becomes a 32 double guy, now he's got 26 homers or something like that. Yeah. I'm not asking for like a massive change in things, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of talent there. And he had 297 last year in a shortened season, 271 this past year. Projections don't believe in him. They haven't hit like 250, but I, mm-hmm. even in the minors, he was a very, very good offensive talent. He's with the Cubs, got traded to Detroit. So he's a guy that, I had to put him somewhere. I didn't want to put him in the home run department because mm-hmm. I don't believe he's that high. But I do believe he gives you a steady batting average with a lot of other good counting stats. Because the other thing is, he still has a good Tigers lineup. And I know you are a big fan, like mm-hmm. I am, of Javi mm-hmm. Baez. Yep. I um, think that just helps Candy out even more. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think there's a lot to like with him. And it like literally is little things like that. If, if say, Javi's hitting behind him or in front of him and Miggy's behind him, mm-hmm. that's just more good pitches he gets to hit. So yeah, I, I really like Candy this year. I think I think two seventy is very doable with the potential to get two eighty, two ninety, if not higher. So I like Candy. I really like that call. In fact, he's one of my uh, kind of favorite uh, kind of back 
and uh, third baseman. I am also very intrigued by this this tire lineup this this season. Mm-hmm. I, the tires are a very intriguing team to me this year, and I'm, it's one of those things where I'm really kind of rooting for them. And um, you know, I think that the lineup, like you said, you know, you you, you have like Robbie Grossman, you have a Kill Badu, uh, Javi. I love Javi. Um, Scope, Miggy, you know, I just think that there's a lot there. Um, and yeah, I think that that field uh, doesn't really play, isn't like really the friendliest for, for batters, but it does mean a lot of doubles. And um, I think that if you kind of have this intriguing lineup and you have a lot of speed guys too in front of him, I think that that's, I, I think there's, there's a lot of potential here and um, I like it. I'm all in and I, I really do like that call. Yeah, I think he's one of the ones that won't stand out, but mm-hmm. it's quite interesting. And that's fine. You know, it's like that. Yep. And it's like you take those guys, you know. Yep, most definitely. Um, runs. The mm-hmm. whole so fun runs category. Who is your first runs. one? I'm going with Kiki Hernandez uh, as my first one. Um, he's going about 243 ADP right now. Um, and I think it's just one of the things we saw what you know, he can do with kind of a full set of plate appearances, you know, he had 585 uh, last season and, um, you know, that meant he had 20 home runs, you know, 84 runs, which is what we're talking about and, and 250 batting average. Um, And that also went with a 199 ISO, which is good and a 337 uh, OBP. And, you know, he's got solid plate approach um, and and he's had that kind of throughout his, his career. And what's nice is, you know, he's, he's batting leadoff. He's ahead of guys like Devers, Bogarts and Martinez. It's a plus lineup. These are things that you always kind of want to try and target if you can, uh, when you're looking for, you know, kind of late and run targets. Um, plus he also has that, you know, like Adam Frazier, he's got that, that second base and that outfield uh, eligibility, which is great. Uh, makes him a little bit more, you know, flexible option and, so I, you know, I, I really like him and I kind of buying into what we saw last season. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great call as well. Uh, I have, I have zero problems with that one. I think he's going to be very, very productive this season. Um, my first one, similar to the Adam Frazier call earlier, mm-hmm. Charlie Blackman has been growing on me more and more. I mean, Nikki really? Lopez called okay. it, but Charlie Blackman has been growing on me. And this is a guy that for years I've been anti Charlie Blackman, not mm-hmm. doing it, but now at ADP two sixty. And if we're talking runs, like the power is declining. That's that was kind of mm-hmm. noticeable, but he's still at two sec. He could have been a bad average guy, 270, 303, 340. Like he's been That's a bad average asset, but 76 runs last year, kind of in a down season. Prior to mm-hmm. that, 112, 100 or better, four straight years. Yeah. Obviously, a different team, but still, he said in the middle of the lineup, projection sites all have him 75 to 85 runs. That team is going to struggle, but still, I, I love McMahon. I think Brendan Rodgers is good. You mentioned Tapia. Mm-hmm. There, there's there's still good players there. It's still Coors Field. And the DH, I think, will keep him on the field a lot more. That's true. Like, like he played 150 games last year, which surprised me to see when I looked at it. But um, even if they want to rest him more, because he's, he's only 35, like same mm-hmm. as Michael Brantley. Like mm-hmm. we, we, we give Blackman so much trouble as I do. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's not that old. So I think he's an interesting uh, run source. Uh, most don't look at him because his powers declined, doesn't steal bags, but hits for a pretty good average. Um, so I, I like Charlie Black. I'm, I'm willing to buy in at the uh, the lower ADP compared to most years. Yeah, I like that too. And I think he also could, uh, you know, throw in, you know, uh, a decent amount of RBI this season too, you know. Um, and I think at that ADP, um, yeah, I think it's like, you know, it's almost like his ADP. It's like this kind of this um, – 
kind of decline in power and average, even though it is a plus average, it's this kind of seems like it's baked into the price. And so I think that yeah. it's actually uh, it's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. All right. Who is like your second that. one? Uh, who's my second one? Oh, uh, Cesar Hernandez. Um, I had him asked. down first, like crossed him out for Blackman. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> he is so easy for me. Yep. And I don't know if he's going to make your boring guys list, uh, your boring player so alert, good. but so um, it's just like, again, a durable, consistent run producer, you know, um, you know, in three of the past four full seasons, he's logged more than 635 plate appearances and finished more than 80 uh, with at least 80 runs or more. He's done this uh, consistently. He's done this four times in the past four or in the four different teams in the past four seasons. So it's not necessarily team dependent. It's a skill that he's able able to bring to the table. And, you know, now he's he's in Washington and, you know, he's hitting in that two hole in front of um, Soto and, and Josh Bell. And I, yeah, I just, it's just one of these things where it's like, do not overthink this. This is just too easy at, you know, three pick 354. Um, this is a player that I guarantee, like people do not, they, they don't draft him, but it's just, it's silly. You should. And um, he's, he's just, again, he's one of those accumulators, those volume accumulator guys. I love him and he's so easy. That's it. No, he's he's a really fun one. I, I love him too. That's why I, I, it's so funny. I literally had him down. I'm like, ah, I'll put Charlie Blackman out there instead because I'll be doing something different. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Cesar. And you mentioned 354. Like mm-hmm. you said, he won't get drafted in a lot of 12 team leagues. Mm-hmm. He'll get passed on because those last picks, people are taking chances on, you know, this guy or that guy. And Cesar yeah. is just so steady. If you want, if like, if you're, if it's like round 25 and you're like, I don't have a middle infielder, let's take Cesar. Like he's totally fine. Uh, he Absolutely. only hit 232 last year, but prior to that, he's an average asset. Projections have him back up to close to 260. But what he's done in recent years is kind of stopped stealing and hitting for power. Mm-hmm. So he adds that, which will score runs, obviously. And you mentioned he had 84 runs scored last year. He had 77, 91, 85, the four previous full seasons. He's going to hit right in front of that big guy, Juan Soto and Josh Bell. So yeah. I am 100% on board with you. And I'm honestly surprised he's still going that late in drafts. I, I really am. But it, yeah, it's it's the nice. boring player, you know, mm-hmm. whatever symptom or something. It's just yeah. you can almost just pencil them in. Yeah, then that's the thing, and it's just like I, you know, I I don't know. It's like I don't know what you know, fantasy managers. It's like they just want kind of like a shiny, shiny new toy. A shi- it's like a shiny new toy, mm-hmm. or I really want someone to to give me a bunch of you know steals or or home runs, and it's like yeah, but what about these guys that do this? consistently across the board year after year and she's like yeah no i'm not interested <laughs> yeah and we're in the later rounds and all these guys are gonna have warts one way or another exactly. like they're not gonna give you five categories so Mm-mm. you gotta start looking at what you can get and build around that and that's why a great exercise is kind of working backwards in your draft strategy yes. like kind of start yes. seeing what you can do to fill in holes and yes. it's little pieces like this mm-hmm. uh i mentioned my second guy was gene segura mm-hmm. already covered that he's awesome yep. so let's head to rbis okay who would be your first rbi person because this is an interesting one. It should be a lot of options, actually. I think there are. I I will say, and I did I did write about this, but I'm a really big Tyler Naquin uh, fan uh, this season. If you're targeting a late round RBI uh, guy, uh, he's also he's going around 345 ADP. Uh, he had a really strong first season uh, with the Reds uh, last year, but it was really his second half that was uh, impressive. 
he slashed a, th- a 314, 375, 35 uh, with a 384 WOBA and a 136 WRC uh, before rib injury uh, shortened his season in September. And what I like most about him is that he should be hitting in the middle of that Reds lineup. It's a great ballpark. Uh, and he'll be behind, you know, Jonathan India, Jesse Winker, Joey Votto. All of these hitters have just this incredible knack for getting on base. You know, all three of those guys uh, ended up finished last season with a top 10 on base percentage in 2021. So uh, Naquin just is in this prime opportunity to just drive in a ton of runs in a great ballpark. Um, there is a chance that he could lose some at bats to the lefties because he uh, only batted 197 against them. But, you know, he just killed righties to the tune of 283 last year. So, um, you know, like I said, he may lose some time, but I don't think it's a big deal. And I think uh, with the guys in front of him um, on the base, on the bases, it, this is I'm just really in on Tyler Naquin this year for RBI. It's a very good one, especially at his draft price. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned before the injury, a lot of people might have forgot how good he was. He mm-hmm. was on an absolute tear. So, and that's what kept Jonathan India actually out in the minor leagues for a while. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a weird combo there. But be interesting to see Naquin come back. I think it's a good good gamble mm-hmm. uh, as things go on. You mentioned you like the Tigers. I like the Tigers. So let's mm-hmm. talk more Tigers. Let's talk Tigers. Um, this is a guy that I think I talk about every chance I get, and I've gotten kind of some pushback from a few people. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jonathan Scope is yep. so underappreciated. I love Scope. Yep. He's he, actually he's up to pick two thirty seven now, which is a big jump compared to earlier this mm-hmm. season. But it, you want to talk boring players? You could win a bar bet if you said, "Hey, who's hit at least twenty home runs in like five full seasons?" Mm-hmm. Jonathan Scope is at twenty-one or more home runs in every year, but twenty twenty, of course, back mm-hmm. to twenty sixteen. Yep. And he, the, the best part about Jonathan Scope is he does it with batting average. Uh, yep. He's basically at like two sixty-five, two seventy or higher in like four of the last five full seasons, which again, you'd probably win a bet on that. Mm-mm. Um, and his, his runs scored are in like the 60 to 70 plus his RBIs are in the, he had 84 RBIs and 85 runs scored last year. He had 105 RBIs back in 2017. So he can be super, super productive. Again, we both kind of think that lineup's going to be better. Mm-hmm. He's going to play every day. Cause Mickey can't play in the field every day. Plus scope right now, depends on to play second base, but he's got that. Oh, so beautiful first base, second right, base eligibility. Yeah which gives you middle infield, corner infield, so you can fill four spots in your roster with Jonathan Scope. So I love Jonathan Scope. I have a lot of shares of Jonathan Scope, and I'll continue to have a lot of shares mm-hmm. of Jonathan Scope because if that, you know, past pick 200, I can pencil in that kind of a stat line. Mm-hmm. Big fan of that. So, yeah. uh, oh, and last but not least, the one thing I want to mention before I get even more, he's only 30 <laughs> years old. Only 30 years old. Is so he only 30? Jeez. Like he's ancient. He feels like he's been playing forever. Yeah. So I want to throw that out there too is he's technically still not out of his potential prime where he's not like way past his prime. Like there's still production mm-hmm. there. So give me Jonathan Scope. You know, it's really crazy in terms of about the, about the age. You know, I live in D.C. and I think it's like we had so many years of him out in Baltimore, you know, and I just mm-hmm. – I didn't realize that – Okay, he's still thirty. Yeah, no, I love that call. I love, I love scope. Again, another boring player alert. And um, you get, you're getting, you're going to get like four categories out of him, right? You're just not going to get any, uh, any steals uh, because he's also going to give you that plus batting average. Um, and I think that he covers, you know, a combined, you know, the the run production categories. So, uh, you know, I know we're talking about RBI there, but um, you know, I think that he can also contribute in runs. And you've got that, you know, probably twenty plus you know, uh, 20, maybe 25 home run uh, potential. So he's got four uh, categories kind of covered. Um, And so I think that, you know, this is also something you want to try and look for, you know, especially as you go kind of dig deeper into the draft, you know, uh, find guys that are 
you know, as balanced as, as can be, you know, if possible. So I like it. You're in DC. How is it being a Braves fan in the enemy's backyard? <laughs> well, it's very interesting because um, I also had, you know, season tickets. Uh, what is this? Like a couple of years ago. Um, and so I always go out to the Braves games. I'm always wearing kind of my Braves thing. And, you know, we ended up getting uh, season tickets, sharing them with, uh, with a couple of friends and we split the, split the seats. And the thing is that I wouldn't buy a like nationals gear because I felt that was just kind of like blasphemy. So what we, what, what we did instead was um, I do have an, uh, a hat that has like the W for like the Washington senators. And that's like a hat that I, I feel is like appropriate. I can, I can go and do that, but it's not really a nationals hat Mm -hmm. and, but still do that. But um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's fun. They're right in the, in my backyard. And then, um, it, you know, Baltimore is also close too. So, yeah. uh, and that's like a really great stadium. Uh, I love going Camden. To, to Camden. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I deal with it. I, I, I wear a Washington senator's hat if I have to wear any national stuff. Cause I don't I actually don't own any national stuff, but I don't blame you. Uh, yeah. the, sar- the sarcastic person to me would buy Montreal Expos gear. <laughs> well, there you go. That would, yeah. work, would work too. <laughs> yes, that would do. Um, all right. Back to the scheduled program. Uh-huh. Uh, who is your second RBI target? So it's Randall Grichuk, uh, who also you can get pretty late at uh, 3.57. And he can be kind of, uh, yeah, he can kind of go up and down. He can be a little bit streaky. Um, but, you know, in each of the last two full seasons, you know, he, he's logged at least 545 plate appearances, his 20 home runs, and at least 80 RBI, uh, despite finishing with just horrible WOBA and WRC numbers. I don't know how he does this, but he does. Um, and like I said, he can kind of, the downside is, is he can kind of, you have to ride his kind of uh, hot and, and cold streaks, I think. But, um, you know, he has steadily, you know, lowered his strikeout rate each season since 2017. And uh, he's improved some of his contact rates. And so, I don't know, he somehow manages to do this. And the big thing for me is that we're kind of looking really late in the draft around 357 ADP. He has a potent lineup. You know, Marcus Semien is not there anymore, but it's, it's, it's still a really plus plus lineup. Um, you know, last season they scored the third most runs uh, in the league. And so there's a lot of potential there in terms of, you know, RBI. So I think that you're looking at, you know, middle of the order bat with a ton of opportunity and a plus lineup. And so I like that. Yeah, I'm always a big fan of Gritchick. Just get the mm-hmm. playing time, and we're in. Mm-hmm. So yeah. with you on that one. Mine is going around pick 280 right okay. now, and he played 135 games last year, which is the most of his career. So injuries have always been a concern for Miguel Sano. Mm-hmm. But what isn't a concern for Miguel Sano is power and run production. He won't hit for a great average. He's done it a couple times, but not very often. And he won't steal any bases. He actually stole two bases last year, surprisingly. Um, But he drove in 75 runs last year. He's driven on seven seven or more in three of the last four full seasons. Um, And he hit 30 home runs. He's done that in back-to-back full seasons. So the Mm -hmm. power is legit. The run production is there. He's going to have a good spot in that order to hit in. It's just stay healthy. He's 29 years old. Um, He's fallen so much in drafts in years past. He was going much, much earlier. I think people have kind of had it with uh, Mm -hmm. the lack of average or injury concern, which is what he's done. But if you really want to like grain of salt that he played 135 games last year, he played 53 in the 60 game season. Mm -hmm. So he's he's at least played a good chunk of of the season in the last two years. And if he can give you another 130, 140 games, he'll be quite productive. Just 
have a go get one of the boring batting average people. If, yeah, if I think that's help. I think that's a yeah. thing. I think for me, I do tend to shy away from um kind of very like low batting average guys, even though, you know, you can get these, you know, plus, plus home run, you know, really kind of bottom out in average guys. But, you know, I don't really take players off the board a hundred percent because I think that depending on your roster build, um, you can build around certain players and certain uh, lack of skill sets that, that players bring to the table. And I think that if you needed power, um, he's a really good power source. Um for me, like I said, it's always kind of I've, I've shied away a little bit because of the batting average. And then he just kind of that that track record, though, yeah. of um, whether he's injured or he just he's kind of he's he's not the most durable player. Yeah. I will say that actually Michael Simeone is kind of uh, in on him this season because he was reading that um, I think Sano. I guess in some like off season article was saying that snow's kind of really gotten into really good shape. And this, I guess one of the, one of the criticisms about snow is that he just kind of, yeah, he just doesn't, he doesn't care. Really care. Yeah. And so, so uh, Michael was like, well, maybe this is a sign, you know, kind of one of those non things that you find kind of in, in the numbers and stats, but just kind of in real life, well, maybe he is kind of caring for whatever reason, a little bit more, and maybe we'll really see like, you know, a ton of, you know, production from Sano this year. That'd and I, I do like those, I do like those narratives. I totally am a sucker yeah. for this. Oh, I'm with, that's all so, we have right now. Is that Ronald yeah. Acuna videos? Exactly. That's all we have right now. <laughs> exactly. So you just kind of like, you got to take what you can because yeah. of content creators, it's like grasping at straws. So yeah, mm-hmm. but we're trying to get best shape of our lives without seeing them in the best right. shape of their lives. It's so much fun. <laughs> right. Um, let's go to the pitching department where like, predicting pitching besides maybe strikeouts is very difficult. Mm-hmm. You're kind of, you got to just give yourself a narrative and roll with it. So uh, the wins department, who was one of the targets for wins? Well, so, so here's the thing. So you just totally took up what I was going to say, which <laughs> is true. I find wins to be a, a headache in terms of yeah. trying to project because I feel like it's very fluky. It's like dart mm-hmm. throwing and outside of, kind of you know either looking for strong offensive teams um i had a hard time doing this and i am just going to just throw this back out to you because i don't even it's dart throwy to me and i can't give you a reason why i think someone's going to win and project like a big win so try writing an article on it that's what i'm doing i'm throwing it back to you i still went for roto baller about late targets and nfbc Uh draft champions so it's even worse than this and Mm -hmm. i'm just like the what? <laughs> so, I just, what do you yeah. look for then do you do, are you looking for i'm looking for guys that have potential for double digit wins like mm-hmm. just give me double digit that'd be like over the moon with that and that's why like i tweeted the other day about patrick corbin who i actually do believe in mm-hmm. as a bounce back guy but he'd be a guy late that's not who i put here because i think people have heard me talk about him enough mm-hmm. but um and he's going way past what adp in he's a, in like a 12 team yeah. yeah he's he's free free agent mm-hmm. free um so for me i started with the guy i just believe in to have a huge year to begin with he's going to adp 210 that's jordan montgomery mm-hmm. I, i'm a big believer in what he can do you mentioned something about the big offense yankees have one of those mm-hmm. so that's a big plus he made 30 starts last year pitched 157 innings which i think that shocked me when i first dug into him a couple of months ago i uh, only got six wins then but mm-hmm. i think there's there's room to build on that i think he's definitely one we could see get 10 plus wins he's got good mm-hmm. strikeout stuff ratios are pretty solid so I almost put him as the ERA guy too, but um, I'm just a big, I call him Jomo fan. So um, he'd be a guy for me and I'll just go straight to the second one here. Yeah. Cause this is a guy that any listener 
<laughs> be like, are you drunk, Bubba? I said, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. But um, again, it's ugly. But if you look at track record, mm -hmm. I picked 286. Mm -hmm. He's free agent, though, but Zach Granke. And okay. Okay. This is one, um, even the projections have him for 10 wins, which is saying something. But he had 11 wins last year, and he wasn't even that good, in my opinion. A 416 ERA, one of the worst of his career. But he's had double digit wins in every full season back to 2008. Okay. I, I, so, then I, that's, you've sold me on that. I think that's like, it's just yeah. one of those, like, he's boring, but he's those veteran guy that's going to, like, get you six innings and keep you, he'll get blown up from time to time. But he's going to keep you in more games when he's not. Mm -hmm. And whatever team signs him, he's 38. So whatever team signs him, they're just going to let him pitch. Like, mm -hmm. go throw your 110 pitches every game. They don't care because it's probably some bad team with young pitching that needs him to, like, eat up the bullpen. Mm -hmm. So, it could be horrible. It could blow up because he is getting older and he was pretty bad last year. But if you're just looking for wins, I, I think he's actually got that kind of pedigree to, to put it together. I can see that. Wait, where is he going again? 280. 280. Okay. Yeah. So I think that he'll be there. And I honestly, I think that I feel, you know, like a lot of fantasy managers, like if you don't kind of, if you aren't bringing really, if you're not a huge kind of like strikeout upside guy, I feel like there's a tendency just to be like, well, you know, no, like you're, you're bringing me down here. And um, so I think that he could be overlooked, but I do, I do like that stat. If he, if he has these kind of double, this, this history of double digit wins that I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, he stays healthy, but yeah, like because that's how I draft. I know a lot of people do. Like, I want guys that can strike guys out because mm -hmm. at least things are going bad. He's getting me. You at least have that. Yeah. Because Granky had less than seven Ks per nine. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's a soft tossing yeah. gimmick out there. I feel right like now. at one point last season, um, he was like at he had uh, it was like five five like Ks per nine, and yeah. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> it's bad. It's real bad. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. So it's just it's tough to stomach, but it's there. Mm -hmm. One we can kind of look at more strikeouts. Strikeouts mm -hmm. is one you can kind of like the guy is a strikeout guy or he isn't, unless there's a pitch and exchange we don't know about. Right. So uh, who is a strikeout target for you? I, I am interested in Josiah Gray this this season, um, and he's going at 283. I just think that he has a ton of upside, and um, I think this is going to be a rocky season for him. But I think that the, the we're talking about strikeouts here, and the upside is there, and you know, I think it stems mostly from his his curveball, which is a 47.8% whiff rate, and his slider, which is a 45% whiff rate. Um, and his fastball isn't as effective, but uh, it does have potential, and it has above-average vertical uh, movement. And so I think that he – you have that solid arsenal there. Um, but like what I said, I think that you it could be a little roller coaster uh, this season because he did have a rough debut last year. Uh, he ended the season with a 548 ERA and a 136 whip across 70.2 innings. Um, but his you know, ERA estimators said that he pitched better than that. And I think another thing that is kind of uh, keeping his, dry, his draft price low is he also had a 10.7% walk rate. Um, but I think it's important to know that you know he never had a, a walk rate, rate in the uh, double digits at all in the minors. So um, that could uh, kind of regress a little bit. Um, you know, I don't know. He's got the arsenal. He has, you know, above average plate discipline. He's got, you know, above average chase rate at 35.1%. Uh, same with uh, zone contact rate. He had a 14.1% uh, swing strike rate and a 28.3% uh uh, CSW rate. And I, sometimes I'm like, Oh, sorry, I threw so many numbers at you, but I think that these are like, yeah. you know, important numbers to throw out. So, um, I don't know. I think that if people are scared off by his, 
ERA and his whip last season, I think that you shouldn't be. And I think that at this price, I think that there's a lot of K upside there and um, you should kind of take advantage of that because I don't think, I think, you know, once he starts pitching this season, um, you know, I think that he'll just, you know, he's just going to be going up the draft board. So I think you can get in, you should get on him now uh, if you can. He's probably like one of the most exciting arms in the Nationals you know, rotation. So I, I love Josiah Green. He's mm-hmm. one of the biggest, he's the big piece that got Scherzer and Trey yeah. to yeah. Uh, LA. So there's a lot to like. You mentioned the walks. He had some home runs issues last year that he didn't have in years past either mm-hmm. in the minors. So those are things that you can tweak mm-hmm. as you get going. The strikeout stuff's legit. Like you said, the arsenal's great. And what I really like to see is, you know, some young guys get babied here and there. Mm-hmm. When the Nats traded for him, they pitched. They him. put him in. Yeah. Yep. So I was really happy to see that, which makes you feel pretty confident going into this season. He's just going to be ready to roll. So uh, I like that call. Mm-hmm. Quite a bit. Uh, mine, especially with the recent Lance Picolers news is Christian Javier <laughs> going around mm-hmm. pick three twelve. Yeah. Um, he only made nine starts out of his 36 appearances last year, but he's very, very effective. Low uh, ERA below four with uh, the FIP a little above four. He had 131 K's in his hundred uh, innings pitch, 101 innings pitch. Mm-hmm. Good for a 30.7K percentage. Did walk too many guys. That was a bugaboo of his. What's crazy, though, he had a 12.5% walk rate, but his whip was only 1.18. So he did not let guys hit the baseball, Mm -hmm. which was very, very effective for Christian Javier. And he's another guy. You've talked like arsenals and stuff. Mm -hmm. He's got quite the effective arsenal. So I really like what we're seeing with him and with the recent news. Like I was kind of in and out on him because I know where he'd fit in the rotation. But, you know, there's always going to be a spot to get some starts. With the recent McCullers news, given I was already concerned with him to begin with, and I'm not saying he's done for the year or anything, obviously, but they're going to have to kind of baby him a bit, probably, which opens the door for Javier a lot. Do you think he's the next man up, Javier? Javier? He should be. Yeah, Yeah, because that's kind of how he was used last year. Mm -hmm. So that's how I I think he'll be used. That'd be Mike, because I think Granky's gone now. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they got Verlander, which would be huge. I love Verlander. That's a. A great draft pick if you guys want to get him. But let's just pull up the old roster resource. Yeah, here. I'm like, I, that's what I was doing here. Yeah, because you got Verlander, you're gonna have uh, Framber, Luis yep. Garcia, Urquidy, and McCullers. Urquidy yeah. has trouble staying healthy. Verlander could have trouble staying healthy. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And then McCullers already isn't healthy. Yeah. So uh, I'd say Javier is your next uh, next man up. That'd be at least my my look yeah. at it. And I still have Jake Odorizzi too. So yeah, yeah. I, that I do makes like things tough, but yeah, I'd rather but have Javier than Odorizzi. Yeah. Well, yeah. And there's no, I mean, those are like apples and oranges, right? I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, as of now he's, he's projected for about a hundred uh, innings, you know? So I think that, yeah, you, you, if you get a bump up from that and with his, with his uh, strikeout rate, um, I do like that. I think it's a little sneaky. Yep. Like All right. That. Who's your second one? Oh, who is my second one? Uh, my second one. Oh, so so my second one's Andrew Heaney and I, I only wanted to bring him up because I know that he's been kind of a buzzy name recently and I didn't want to bring up players that were kind of buzzy because I wanted to give other options. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I've never ever been in on Andrew Heaney. And uh, I just am like, no, like I won't, he's kind of on my do not draft list uh, primarily because of his home run problem and his ugly surface career surface stats. Um, but the skills are there, and I am intrigued by the one-year contract with with the Dodgers. Um, and you know, a lot of you know, last season he had he had finished the year with a 472 ERA and a 132 WHIP, which is 
gross, but he had a 485 FIP and a 384 Sierra. And so he's pitching better than that. He also ended uh, the year with a 19.5% uh, strikeout minus uh, walk rate, which ranked 31st amongst pitchers with at least hundred innings pitched. Um, and, you know, again, with, you know, I always talk about kind of contract uh, plate discipline metrics and contact contact rate, excuse me, but these are important. And he has just above average, uh, well above average numbers across the board. Um, it's just really with Heaney, it's that, you know, it's that home run issue because he doesn't command his fastball well. And it may be easier to, you know, maybe easier said than done. It's just like, well, why can't you, maybe the Dodgers can help him, you know, command his, his uh, fastball better or have a pitch mix change where he re relies a little bit more on his breaking balls. I don't know. And I, I, I guess it doesn't really matter either because I think at this price point at about 380 P you know, he's basically free. And, you know, I think my point is that there's a lot of strikeout potential sitting there at that at that price and if he is a bust if you start kind of seeing where you know he hasn't kind of he still has these kind of home run issues then i think that you can drop him but i think that if he does hit i think it's a big hit at this point uh in the game uh for for the strikeout categories yeah i agree he's always had the potential to just keep the ball in the ballpark mm -hmm. that's been Heaney's problem and you mentioned um, a lot of people are very optimistic because the dodgers know how to do things mm -hmm. with these guys so if anybody can fix them, kind of, it's this is one of the teams to do it. So, hundred yeah. percent with you there. Yeah. Um, my second option is Nick Pavetta, pick mm -hmm. three forty four. Um, he's always been a scary guy to roster in years past because there's a lot of ups and downs with Mister Nicholas Pavetta. Mm -hmm. But one thing he does is strike guys out. Basically, a twenty four percent or better strikeout rate in four or five seasons. He had twenty six and a half percent K rate last year. Still walks a handful of guys, which is an issue for him, and gives up way too many um home runs, which is actually last year was one of the best years for him not giving up home runs, mm -hmm. which was great to see. But, um, you know, in, in, in a team that needs him to pitch because you have some uh, younger arms that have some question marks and what we've seen develop with Nick Pavetta since he's been a Red Sox, he's actually been much better and the, the pitch mix has been uh, more effective for him. And he's mm -hmm. really pumping the gas like he's taking notes out of the Nick Eovaldi or Nate Eovaldi handbook. Mm -hmm. So um, I like Nick Pavetta. He's one of those free guys. He's mentioned a lot of conversations with Andrew Heaney as that kind of option to take that next step. So mm -hmm. Aveda would be a dude for me. I do like that call. Um, I, you know, it's funny because I've, I've come across him around, you know, in drafts and I haven't, I haven't scooped him up anywhere, but um, I always think about it and then I pass, but maybe I should look a little bit harder. For him. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but mm -hmm. I, at a couple of my draft champions leagues with some very sharp quote unquote veteran players, mm -hmm. Um, I've gotten DMs when I've taken Nick Pavetta that involve an F and a U. Mm, so um, mm -hmm. I didn't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. I've been called a lot of things in my life, but I'm going to take it as a compliment. I think I think you should take that as a compliment. <laughs> so yeah. we'll, we'll see where that one goes. Um, let's talk ERA. Another one that's like, okay. hey, how do we like predict ERA? Mm -hmm. Well, we'll try. Like I said, one of my granky calls going to be kind of a thing <laughs> like that. So uh, who you got for ERA? So I'm going to buy into the the Tony Disco career uh, for Anthony Descafani last year. Um, and he's actually just going just, I mean, when we're talking about 200, he's like right at that point, he's at 203. So uh, he's definitely uh, someone that you get. It's not too, too deep of a pick, but you know, he finished last season with a 317 ERA and a 109 whip. Uh, now that came with a 411 uh, Sierra and a 362 FIP. So there, there will be regression. I don't think that he's going to be uh, kind of like a, th a three, you know, 
310, 320 uh, pitcher. But with him, I'm kind of, it's me buying more into the Giants organization in terms of um, kind of pitcher development. You know, they're kind of like these, 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 you know, pitcher whispers and they've, they've shown, you know, after, you know, just all these pitchers that they know what they're doing. And I think that, um, like I said, there may be some regression with him, but I'm really also buying, you know, not only the Giants organization, but that move from Cincinnati to uh, San Francisco, um, big change in parks. You know, uh, the Great American Ballpark was is the third best uh, park for hitters. And then you're moving to Oracle Park, which is more of a pitcher's park. So um, it's one of those things where it's not necessarily me pointing to stats as opposed to kind of a change of scenery and they were able to do this uh, with uh, Desclafani one year. And I still think, like I said, I don't, I'm not saying he's going to get a 317 ERA, but um, I think he could do it, you know, sub, you know, 350, maybe something like 330, 320 uh, ERA. And um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think a lot of people are buying into him for some reason. I think they're maybe wary of this career year. They don't want to kind of chase that, but I don't know. I'm chasing it. I don't know why. Well, I actually, don't no, I don't know why, but I yeah. am chasing it. Yeah. As a Giants fan, I'm a fan of that call. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, and they have made some impressive moves, and people should believe in Disco. That's mm-hmm. for sure. So, mm-hmm. I'm with you on that one. My first one is an old man that is going to a team that does take care of their pitchers well. Mm-hmm. If you liked what Michael Walker did last year, you should like what Corey Kluber could do this year. Yeah. Um, the, the thing with Kluber that's going to be frustrating is they're going to control his innings, kind of like they did Walker maybe a little longer leash than Waka, but with the injury past of Kluber, they're going to kind of make sure he's within realm, but within that, in doing so, it should limit the damage with Corey Kluber. So he had a 3.83 ERA last year. He's been a you know low three or a below four ER guy in like five of the last six seasons. Mm-hmm. So we've seen that in his career. He's, he's been able to do this time and time again. He used to pitch a lot of innings too, but the strikeout rate was still very good. Um, I think they're going to utilize him very well. Pitching in the trop can help a ton as well. So I'm going to roll a Kluber, a guy I usually don't draft at all, but the mm-hmm. situation and the draft price of uh, 330 allows Kluber to have some serious upside. If he can put together a handful of like good five, maybe six inning starts, mm-hmm. he could uh, he could be a sneaky later option uh, that if it all fails, he's almost on your last pick so you could drop him. But I think he's definitely got the upside for you. I like this call. I think that this is – the best landing place for Kluber, you know, because I think that it is an organization, uh, another organization that knows how to uh, work with their pitchers. And I think that it's a perfect fit because, you know, he's, he's going to come in, he's not going to give you, uh, you know, you can't expect like 200 innings from him, but he's perfect because he has, because Tampa Bay has all these other kind of younger arms and, you know, they like to have kind of these hybrid pitchers. And I think that they will, you know, they'll give these pitch, these younger pitchers opportunities, but you'll also have Kluber in there. And I think they are just going to like mix all that up. And I think that it's, I think that it's a really good landing spot for him. hundred percent agree. Uh, who is your second ERA player? My, my computer is frozen. So oh, oh, I just found it. Um, <laughs> so actually, so this is kind of a little bit deeper. This is uh pick three fifty eight, and it's Dakota Hudson. Ooh. And I have been, scooping him up in uh, drafts. I think that he's interesting and he is basically free. So I'm happy to do this, but uh, he's in the Cardinals rotation. He's coming off of Tommy John surgery. Um, I think he had two starts last, last season, but it's kind of intriguing to me because he's a ground ball pitcher. Uh, He's got the best defense in the league behind him. So that helps him. And 
in you know 249.2 career innings pitched he's never had an era above 335 so i just i'm kind of intrigued by this now it could totally flop but like i said at this draft price um and on this team and with that kind of ground ball kind of uh, makeup as a pitcher i'm intrigued by this so i'm in on him for an era yeah i like that one a lot uh, that's that's a very sneaky one the ground ball with that defense behind him mm-hmm. can be tremendous so i think that's a a very very good one um i'll be honest i don't have a second one okay. I, there's nothing i could like i wanted to try to throw a dart at some certain mm-hmm. guys I'm like no it's just it's i like, didn't have any win guys so yeah, it's, that's it's okay. false hope it's false it's hope okay. But I do have saves, guys. So let's talk mm-hmm. saves. Let's take okay. it home with some saves. And there's actually a handful of them back here if you want to take some darts. So who's one of the saves people? So I'm going back to the Giants here. I am taking – I have been taking shots on Jake McGee. I know that everyone is talking about uh, Camilla Duvall. And maybe Duvall ends up with with a job. But, uh, you know, I don't know. McGee had 31 saves last season. This is a team that doesn't spread the saves around a ton. You know, I mean, he had, like I said, he had 31 saves. Tyler Rogers had 13. Um, and I don't know. I think that even if Duvall does well, I can also see a situation where maybe they both get kind of like 15 to 18 saves. Um, I don't know. It's a strong offense. I'm kind of guessing at this point. And so those are, those are my thoughts with Jake me on, on the save front. <laughs> no, I think it's a good call because um and I think some are starting to slowly get to that angle because Duvall's been dropping in drafts. Mm-hmm. But um, I agree because I like right out right after the season edge. Some people were asking me. I said at best Duvall gets seventy percent. At best, okay, yeah, I was going to ask as a Giants fan. That's yeah, okay. that's at best because that's just what um, what Kapler yeah. does, mm-hmm. and we saw it last year because Rogers had a ton of saves too. Yeah. And the thing with Duvall, as great as he is, the reason why he never stuck for so long is his command is horrific. Mm, okay. And if people start laying off the slider or whatever and things get bad again, it, it could change things. I think McGee is a very good mm-hmm. late option for sure. For me, Tyler Wells, Baltimore mm-hmm. Orioles, would be my first one. He had four saves last year towards the end of the season because you know there was talk about him early in the year, but then he had Cesar Valdez and all these other guys getting stuff done. And he finally got his uh, Wells finally got his chance later in the year in 44 appearances. Uh, and he racked up those four saves, but great strikeout stuff. He had a 29% K rate last year, 30.7% back in 2018. He's been out of the uh, Major League Baseball system for a few years. People forgot about him, but really jumped back in a big way last year. Looks really, really good. The fastball is pretty darn outstanding. Um, he wasn't walking as many people as he was before when he's in the Twins organization. So I think there's a lot to like with Wells. There's a lot of question marks from the Baltimore bullpen. It's Cole Solcer still there. Yep. He probably starts out with the gig, but I think it's Wells' gig in the end. And uh, I think he leads the team in saves by the time things are all said and done. Ooh, okay. So Tyler Wells is a guy I like quite a bit. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think it's interesting um, because I think a lot of fantasy managers, they'll kind of shy away from, you know, kind of like bad teams. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I think that it's also a smart strategy to zero in on bad teams with uh, pitchers that have plus skills, you know? And so um, I think that that's, I, I like that call. I like the Tyler Wells call because is right. Is he penciled in right now as a closer or is it, is it? Solcer? No, it's still Solcer for now, but if you uh-huh. follow like Greg Jewett yep, yep. or any of those guys, he's got Solcer and Wells as like one, a one B. Okay. All right. Committee. So you know, I love Greg Jewett. Jewett's the man. Yep, he's the absolute yep. man. Um, yep. So yeah, definitely support him, as I say all the time on this show. Um, who is your second safe target? Well, actually, Greg Jewett, you know, is one who kind of turned me on to Jorge Alcala. And, mm-hmm. 
you know, I just think with the twins, and I've also been taking some shots uh, on Alcala as well, because right now he's at 350 ADP. Um, and I know, you know, Alcala has skills. I know we want roll over skills, but, uh, you know, you have Taylor Rogers in front of him. And, you know, he finished the season on the IL. Uh, I think that the twins were trying to move him uh, before the lockout. And so I think that Alcala could have a shot, you know, especially coming out of the lockout. I mean, I think that, that Rogers could get traded. I think that, um, I don't know if that means that Alcala uh, is the next man up per se, but I think that he could have a decent shot at getting some saves throughout the season. And like I said, I think the skills are there. Um, he's a 21% uh, K minus BB rate. And again, above average kind of chase zone contact, contact rates. He's, you know, he's got the stuff. Um, he just needs the role. So, but at this point at like 350, we're just speculating here. So, but I like, I love, I like that. Yeah. I love Alcala. I think it's yeah. a great call. That's who I had written down actually. Mm-hmm. But I, had, I wrote down an extra one because there's, oh, a, okay. there's a range I like quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll call a, a big fan. Ryan Roof joined me right after the season started. We went through all 30 teams mm-hmm. for, for all closing situations. Then Jewett's been a part of it. Like it's been a, a fun thing, but yeah, Ryan opened my eyes to I'll call it right away. So I've been, I was snagging him early yeah. in, in draft and holds. And I think he's got a serious chance to, uh, to get there. My other one who I have a ton of shares of as well as Josh Stomont of the Kansas city Royals. He's going up pick three forty eight. Everybody loves Barlow. Barlow's been very good. Don't get me wrong. But we, A, we know the Royals move things around a lot. And B, with Stalmont, uh, you mentioned how like Michael got the Snow article that kind of stood out to him. Uh, Stalmont was on record late this early this winter or something, talking about he had COVID in spring training mm-hmm. and it zapped his energy, like yeah. in a big way. And if you watch his fastball graph, it's like a T or like at the top of like a triangle. And it takes him. It took him a long time in the season to get it together. He pitched really well for a while in the middle of the season when his velo was back up, and then he lost all his energy again because he was just gassed from this and it went all the way back down. Mm-hmm. So, and his his stats just coincide with the whole cha cha. He had uh, five saves still, with all that being said, um, still struck out almost ten per nine. He had a, a K rate of twenty seven point three percent after twenty twenty at a thirty three percent K rate. He's always had walk issues, but a lot of these flamethrowers do. But Stomont, when he was sitting 97, 97 and a half, 98, he was filthy. And mm-hmm. he should be back there. Uh, all reports are he's feeling much better when he gave that interview and everything. So if he can get that kind of stuff back, that entering 2021, he was kind of the guy that was supposed to be the closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's one that could be interesting because Barlow's good and all. But, you know, I guarantee you, you could ask people and like 90% wouldn't know who Barlow was before last season. Right. So this is this was supposed to be Stomont's job. We'll see if he gets it back. But I think he will at some point and he might keep it. So he's a guy that I like quite a bit. I am totally in on this. I saw I read the same article. And like I said, I love these these narratives when you have pitchers saying like, hey, listen, I was out. COVID completely shut me down. And um, I read the same thing. And I think that is a very sneaky um save source i'm totally I, I love it i love it all right let's do a couple listener questions i have one from twitter and one in the chat here mm-hmm. uh james james treviglio asked lauren he asks every guest this okay. who is this year's akil badu for you like out of nowhere he's going to shock us and be something very good out of nowhere oh i've i've have been talking about kind of well can it be a pitcher yeah sure Okay, because I have been talking about Spencer Howard kind of coming out of, of nowhere and, and and doing really well. Um, I I can't explain it. I don't really know why, but I think it's just um, you know, he was like this top prospect who just has really kind of stumbled. Um, 
uh, in his kind of limited uh, professional career. And he was with the Phillies and he got moved over to, got traded over to uh, the Rangers, I believe with the, the Ian yep. Kennedy deal. Yep. And, um, you know, Howard has said, you know, he didn't like how uh, he was kind of handled in, in Philly. And it just, I think comes for me, it comes down to, this is, I think the fantasy community sometimes is really quick to hop off of, um, players if that, that kind of struggle you know he like I said he was a top prospect he hasn't played really well um but I think given a, the chance he's right now he's penciled in as the fifth starter in uh Texas and I don't know I I, I kind of think that uh, he could surprise people this season I don't hate it for a couple reasons mm-hmm. well a you mentioned the pedigree I'm always a believer in pedigree as long as a major league team is still giving them a chance someone mm-hmm. believes in something that's way smarter than me right so that says a lot b as much as we give the Rangers a hard time for being such a bad baseball team, they develop pitching like mm-hmm. Kyle Gibson, Lyles, like these guys that were bad, even Mike Miner, who wasn't bad, but he pitched like they pitched really well. And now it's a pitcher's ballpark. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a pitcher's ballpark right. till last year. Right. So that's intriguing. That's mm-hmm. very intriguing to at least, you know, give him a full run because he kind of in Philadelphia, he'd get some starts, Miners, bullpen, Miners, just mm-hmm. kind of all over the board. Plus the ballpark doesn't help at all. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one for sure. I think that could be a fun one that I wouldn't be shocked if he kind of takes a a big step there for Mm -hmm. sure. Uh, And then Drew at Fru underscore Dorte asked us, everyone talks about finding late round speed, but if you get your speed on top, you may want to find a late round power outbreak. Which late round guys do you like to be power breakouts? Well, we kind of talked about home run guys, but were there any other players that stood out to you as a kind of out of I mean, really like Rowdy Telez is, I think, a big one. I do think that word is kind of getting out on Rowdy, though. Um, But I just like him again, you know, you know, like what we had talked about. I'm trying to think kind of like later round power options. Um, Because he's the one that jumps. The one I'll mention, but Uh he might. There's a couple. I'm a huge fan of Gavin Sheets. Yeah, I've heard I've heard the talk on Gavin Sheets. If he yeah. can play every day, but that's I the can, thing is he like, is he is he a platoon? Bat? That's, be, that's yeah. tough. Like he yeah. should play every day, but mm-hmm. they have a lot of options there, which is interesting. And then the other one, which might not even get drafted, but someone worth keeping an eye on, depending on how things go with like Bobby Dahlback and company. Mm-hmm. Tristan Cassis, Cassis uh, yeah. is one that he could definitely be one that takes that humongous leap. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like people talk about that, like that that, um, that Dahlback has this really short leash. Essentially, See, I don't think he does, but uh-huh. I've heard a lot of people say, like you're saying, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Um, power wise, yeah, I don't know. I think it's like mostly Telez is something that really pops yeah. out right now for me. Like basically, because we're like I said at the beginning of the show, we're talking redraft, not as much draft and hold. Mm-hmm. So in redraft wise, there's not really you're not really taking those type of like long shots that often. Mm-hmm. So it's really not the the deal there. But right. um, Drew, if you're curious, I had an article last week about guys latent in FBC drafts. So mm-hmm. go for it. And Lauren's got some <laughs> as well. So go check those out. They'll have a lot of options for you too. Um, but Lauren, we're gonna wrap it up there. Okay. I had an absolute pleasure. But this, uh, yeah. I before, had a really great time. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Before we wrap it up again, remind everybody where they can find you, what, when they can expect your awesome show, all that good stuff. Okay. Right. So you can find me on Twitter at LK Auerbach. And I, I think that you um, spelled my name out, which I feel like I always have to do. It's L-K-A-U-E-R-B-A-C-H. Um, and so you can find me on Twitter there. Um, I co-host the SP Streamer uh, podcast with Michael Simeone and those 
come out once a week, typically on a Wednesday. Uh, we or we record on Wednesday. They come out on Thursdays, um, and then at the end of the week, I am um, I do a daily uh, content for um, fan tracks. And so right now, I'm kind of pushing out um, uh, articles for the draft kit, which Bubba is also doing as well. Um, so I do that once a week. So those are the places that, if you know, you want baseball content, where you can find me. Yeah, it's awesome stuff. Uh, you guys should go check it out and follow Lauren if you are not, because it, it's been a pleasure getting to know her and uh, from afar and now on the show yep. for a little bit here. So it's been great. And uh, I look forward to doing this again sometime. Yeah, so absolutely. I had a blast. Um, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And we, we'll have to do it again. Yes, we definitely will. But again, make sure you check her out on Twitter at LK Hourback and over at SP Streamer, Fantrax HQ, all that good stuff. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 441. Catch you guys later.